Today, we're joined by Monica Ramirez Montague, the new director of the MSU Broad Art Museum here on campus at East Lansing. Monica joined the Broad in July of 2020. Before coming to East Lansing, she directed the Newcomb Art Museum at Tulane University in New Orleans for six years, creating socially engaged exhibitions such as Persister, Voices of Incarcerated Women, and featured photographer Latoya Rub Frazier's project, Flint is Family, addressing environmental justice. Uh, at the MSU Broad, her first initiative was a community-powered installation entitled Acts of Care, where local individuals submit nominations for honoring those who have taken care of our communities uh, during this pandemic. So, Monica, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Bill. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. So tell us a little bit about what you've got uh, coming up at the Broad. What uh, what what people can expect to see um, maybe when they uh, when, when we have. Well, I guess first let me ask the question, is, is the Art Museum open right now? Yes, we are. So that's a very good question. And we have an opening. We are open to the public right now. We open on September 1st with the... Uh, advised uh, capacity that's been uh, instructed to public venues. So we comply with all the guidelines set forth by the campus and the governor and so forth. But um, what has been on view has been a fabulous exhibition of the work of our students. The Masters in Fine Arts students have an exhibition right now at the museum, and that's on the lower floor. And on the second floor, we will open on November 7, an exhibition on the car culture, particular to our Michigan area. How had, how does a car culture shape our, our minds, our cities, uh, our ideals as Americans, and how some of those ideals uh, maybe have not played out as, as well for a lot of folks. So we have a, we're celebrating, but we're also taking a, a critical look into the car culture of the United States, and in particular, telling the stories of a lot of folks here in our East Lansing, Michigan area. That sounds really fascinating, and and certainly uh, uh, appropriate for a for a museum in in Mid Michigan. And uh, yeah, as as a museum on on a college campus, and and on ours here in, in East Lansing, what are the unique roles that the the Broad Art Museum has? because it's part of Michigan State. Right. Well, it's a, it's a tremendous asset to be linked and nested in such a prominent and respected university as a Michigan State University. What a university museum has that few other museums, independent museums have, is that we can actually go and chat with experts in any single field out there um, and have them kind of contribute with their expertise to the art exhibitions. So we can leverage that faculty expertise in many occasions to help us give context to some of the art that we have on view. So let me give you an example. The car culture exhibition that it's called Interstates of the Mind um, in, about the car culture actually has featured some research from some MSU faculty members. Uh, one of that research is a program developed several years ago by the Julian Zamora Research Institute that interviewed some of the Latino, Chicano, Chicanx, Latinx uh, automobile workers in the, in the automobile industry. And they were able to tell their own stories through these oral um, histories. 
And we have those, we have the, the story of the Latino workers told in the museum. And by the same token, we have, for example, Professor John Ernie Flesner, who teaches urban renewal in Lansing. He and his students did a project on the construction of Highway 496 from 1963 to 1970. And they kind of identified the impact that that had, like the building that highway actually destroyed a traditional African-American neighborhood there. And they're kind of looking at the effects of, of that fragmentation of a whole community through the fabric, through the construction of a highway and so forth. You know, so, so being in a university museum, we're able to call on to the, the willingness and the expertise of many faculty members from many diverse disciplines to help us provide some of that informal education, but that is um, simultaneously very real education into this art context, right? And art museums, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun, I think, which is why I work in one. You know, they help us connect with each other. Art inspires us. Art gives us a lot of energy. Um, it also stimulates our senses and our intellect. So I think a lot of faculty members also enjoy this um, collaboration with the museum and seeing their work framed inside an art venue uh, instead of a classroom, I guess, must must be fun for them as well. So it's really the perfect universal kind of stage where we can really bring a lot of partners, not only on the campus, but off campus, to help us tell the stories of each other and of ourselves, ultimately. What we learn in an art museum, we learn a lot about ourselves and we learn a lot about the communities that we live in, and faculty certainly contribute to that. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, that that exhibit uh, or, or the the uh, the work on on the creation of uh, Interstate four ninety six to me is particularly interesting, having grown up in Lansing and uh, at about the time that uh, that that project was under construction. So I'll uh, I'll be excited to to, to see that. Um, one of the things that I think. Uh, may, maybe intimidates people, or uh, uh, you know, the 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 idea of contemporary art. I think sometimes uh, is is hard for for folks to digest. And yeah, I think about going and seeing a uh, uh, a Vermeer or or a Rembrandt or or something people might think of as as classic art, and and maybe I tip my hand by. Uh, having an interest in, in Dutch art is that's my heritage, but, uh, um, uh, but, but you can sort of see what the artist has done. And, uh, and, and then you go to look at contemporary art and, and maybe it's, it's a little harder for some people to, to, to digest, you know, how do you, how do you work through that with people and, uh, and help them understand, uh, what, what they're looking at and, and, uh, and, and what it might mean. Thank you, Bill. Um, you know, I do agree with you. Sometimes contemporary art may seem that we really don't understand what we're looking at unless we are art historians or art experts. So I certainly understand that. And that certainly happens to me sometimes when I walk into gallery spaces that have no, you know, no signage, no labels, no explanations, right? That a lot is expected of me. So that is part of contemporary art. A lot of it is expected of the visitor. Uh, there's expected more participation, you know, and if you... I mean, it's like going to a theater piece where where uh, someone or a concert where the audience is expected to clap and to participate. A little bit of that happens in, in contemporary art museums. But ultimately, 
I do think that us museums of contemporary art need to do a, a better job at explaining the, the art on view because I do think it's not easy. And it is not easy because contemporary artists are always trying to create something that has just never existed before. So how do you do that, right? How do you uh, invent something that nobody has ever seen, nobody has even imagined, and you you create a visual culture object out of that. And of course, if there's no precedent for that kind of visual, it's hard for us to then recognize something that is just not familiar to us at all. And so it has this double take. It's like, I really don't understand what I'm seeing, which is very much sometimes the point is for us to become alert again, for us to elicit our senses, to try to reorient ourselves. So that, that a lot plays in contemporary art. But um, I also think that while that might be an exciting experience for many, many would desire to have a point of access, you know, like, just tell me what this means. So I then can have, you know, I can have a more deep experience. And so I, I make the, um, the parallel to learning a new language, right? When, when an artist creates something so new that we just don't have tools to, to recognize it or to understand it, I would say is as if I were trying to look at some, you know, hieroglyphics or another language that I've never learned right? It does take, and it's another language. So it takes an effort. It takes an effort from me to be willing to learn that new language, but it also takes an effort to whoever is exhibiting that art, you know, to give me some tools. Tell me a little bit more on how to decipher, you know, these signs and these symbols and these metaphors so that I can then go ahead and continue my exploration. So I do think that, you know, hopefully the folks that are listening will will come to the museum and will find diverse points of access to the contemporary art. I think it defeats the purpose if someone walks into our museum and they leave feeling like they didn't understand. So it's a, it's a job of the museum to start providing those points of access and explaining, well, you know, this is an experimentation with a new material, or this is an image that came from abstracting, you know, a molecule. I think you, you're having a conversation with a free lab, you know, um, these days. So they're they're dealing more or less with the same issue, you know. They're discovering materials and, and forms and aspects that have never been seen before. So how do you recognize something new? You know, uh, it's exciting, but we need to do a, a really good job at the museum of explaining, you know, what are why is what you're looking at important? What are you looking at? Um, and when, if not, what are the intentions behind the artist? And then, you know, just share that with you so that you have a good standing ground to start and then, you know, explore your own creativity and your own association of ideas and things like that. One of the, um, one of my favorite parts of our art museum is the building itself. And, uh, as a as a person who who really enjoys uh, modern architecture and uh, uh, and it was it was just thrilling to to be able to have a a competition for the museum and to have the uh, the selection committee uh, select Zaha Hadid as the as the architect. Uh, what has it been like for you uh, coming to this museum where? You're working on different exhibitions and ways to use the space, but the space itself is uh, is a piece of art. I think I got a little bit of training in my in my early career at the Guggenheim Museum 
that is also a very iconic architecture building where the building is not a backdrop to the art you're hanging on the walls. In the case of the Guggenheim, you cannot even hang a, a painting uh, on the walls because they're curved and they're inclined, you know, and they have an inclination to them. But I, um, I think that the complexity of the building and the the added layer of creativity of the built environment where art is being displayed uh, this displayed really adds to the experience not only of the visitor but of the whole environment uh they are buildings that you have to get to know the building a little bit and play this little dance you know it's like dancing tango to a certain degree <laughs> you know you go either you go this way or that way but there's a certain negotiation and dance you have to do with the building to to make the art look good. So many museums are designed as a white boxes, white cubes, we call them. And we know for sure that hanging anything in that space is going to make it look good. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, the craft we've developed in museology, you know, and this is a particular setting for modern and contemporary architecture. When that space becomes challenging, then you, uh, the curators need to really think about the art in dialogue with the building and give the building presence when it needs. You know, there's some views that you need to allow the building to have those views and for people to be able to look outside through the windows, you know, and then you need to then create spaces where the art will be looking at its best. So it's it's a, it's a kind of like a dancing inside the building with the art here, art there, views of the building here, views of the staircase there. And it's a negotiation that does not happen in other um, museums, right? So anyone that works at the MSU Broad Art Museum must enjoy this negotiation with the space and with the building. And if you do enjoy that, the results are just really terrific because you always have incredible views that just inspire your curiosity and they elicit you to go to the other gallery space. So what is nice about the MSU Broad building and the Saha design is that you're constantly being attracted to the next space and the next space. And once you are done with the museum, then the frame of the landscape around you, the frames, the visual frames are also uh, very appealing. So then you want to go outside and enjoy the sculpture garden and things like that. Uh, so that's something that you need to understand when you work with the building. Well, I like the way you phrase that, a negotiation with the building. That's really a, a beautiful phrase. And and I certainly can imagine that uh, that that's what has to take place. And and having uh, spent some time at the, at the Guggenheim, um, yeah, I, I enjoy the museum because you can take the elevator up and then it's a it's a nice sort of walk downhill uh, looking at whatever the, the current exhibition is. But, uh, but that, that's another, another building where there, there is a, uh, there really is a negotiation with the space there. And, uh, uh, and I, I suppose that there are exhibits that are well-suited and, and then exhibits that probably aren't well-suited depending on the interior space available. Uh, correct. You're absolutely correct. And I think that in the case of the Guggenheim, you, as you go down the ramp, you also see, you see people interacting with art. It's a, it's a kind of spectacle of people looking at art and the arts, you know, in this spiral. And I would say that at the MSU Broad, 
we have that also, but I would say that the spectacle is more uh, between indoors and outdoors. We have so many beautiful uh, windows that frame the terrific outdoors of, of our campus that I would say that the building actually is enticing people to <laughs> to go outside while they're looking at terrific art. And, um, and I would say that that's a spectacle. It's a spectacle of attention between the indoors and the outdoors. And it's just really terrific as an experience to go see art and feel like you're indoors and outdoors at the same time. It's quite unique. And I do believe that that's precisely why it is a masterpiece. It really is a special building. So one of the uh, one of your areas of, of expertise is, uh, is working through uh, or, or creating exhibitions that are socially engaged. Can, can you give us a sense of of what that means and, and what it means to you? Um, so it's a very good question. What does a socially engaged art exhibition mean? Uh, it does follow uh, a new contemporary art uh, branch of making art where artists are actually, their primordial material for making art, you know, may not be paint or may not be a block of marble, maybe the experience of their communities, maybe the obstacles of their communities, and that that's what they want to explore. And that's what they want to uh, reveal in their artworks. And so that's taking, you know, a lot of different shapes of uh, in the art world, of course. But the way to socially engaged exhibitions basically focus on exploring through the lens of art and, uh, you know, creative metaphors, exploring issues that are critical to our the communities that we live in. So what are the obstacles that we have in our own communities that are pre- precluding us to move forward together? And can we tell the story of that obstacle through the lived experience of people that are going through those? And can we use a museum as a storytelling hub where folks come and tell us what's going on in their lives and we get to understand ourselves and our communities a little bit better? And for that, actually, I think uh, MSU is just absolutely the perfect setting to do that because we have a strength in engaged scholarship. We have a strength in working with our communities, learning from our communities, their lived experience, expertise, and then, you know, helping all of us um, access that knowledge to then discuss in an academic scholarly uh, setting. So, for example, the exhibition that I did at Tulane that will be coming to the MSU Broad Art Museum a year from now with a museum staff, um, it was the exhibition was created in, in Louisiana, which is uh, considered the prison capital of the world. It incarcerates more people than any other state in the United States. And the United States incarcerates more of its own citizens than any other developed country in the world. So we just wanted to know why our our community was so impacted. One in every 75 individuals in Louisiana have had an encounter with with the justice system. So we interviewed 30 formerly incarcerated women, and we gave those interviews to 30 local artists that then learned about the interviews and then they went in most occasions to meet with uh, with the woman that we had given the interview. The women now call themselves persisters. Um, and so we, these pairings of a, a persister as in a formerly incarcerated woman and the artist together, they, they, they made artworks together. And those artworks are what is on view in the exhibition. And they tell the story of, of the women. Many of the stories that they tell are stories about motherhood 
you know, some 80% of the women in the prison system are mothers, right? So they were telling us the challenges of being a mother inside the prison system and some of the artworks, you know, just tell that story or tell, you know, tell some stories of resilience, tell some stories of success. They also tell some stories about the challenges of reentry. Um, and it's just uh, get through those exhibitions, what we do is we get to uh, learn about communities that we may not have in our immediate environment or that may remain in, in, um, underserved and in some cases invisible, like incarcerated women. Um, you know, it's a community that we don't have a lot of access to. And uh, we were wondering who are these women in the prison system and what are they going through? And so that's what the exhibition let us let us know, that a lot of these women are mothers. A lot of these women at their encounter with the justice system are victims themselves of other issues. And it just helps us understand the obstacles that that we may have in order to be able to move forward together. But there are exhibitions that are visually striking. Artists have just such a tremendous talent and creativity that they are able to turn into poetry some of these stories that are about resilience and about strength and about overcoming obstacles. So that's where art is a very safe vehicle for us to be able to learn a lot about each other and about folks that we would we would seldom come across with or and if we do we may not ask them you know about particular chapters in their lives and and art allows us to do that in a very festive celebratory uplifting kind of uh manner that is uh, a very good vehicle for addressing some of these issues now, i've i've always enjoyed that about the the broad art museum you can go in and um, many of the exhibits uh, find ways to to challenge your thinking, to to challenge your, your ideas, to teach you something new. Uh, you may agree, you may disagree, but uh, but but I, I, I rarely walk out of the museum when I'm not uh, forced to think about something uh, perhaps a little differently than I had walking in the doors. And I think that uh, yeah, that that really enriches our whether you agree or disagree or w- with the artist's perspective, that that really en- enriches our community and enriches us as individuals to to push our thinking and, and challenge us to to see things in, in new and unique ways. And so, um, I've uh, yeah, I, from my perspective, the the Broad Art Museum has has really been been in, enriching for for many reasons, but that in particular, one of the things that. Um, I was kind of stunned to think about was that the art museum, which to many of us seems like it opened yesterday, will be celebrating its 10th anniversary in only a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do remember like it was yesterday, our, our grand opening and the opening exhibition and some of the really cool, innovative, cutting edge things that were done as part of that opening exhibition. And, and of course, the uh, the great fun it was to have uh, Mr. and Mrs. Broad on campus for that celebration, and uh, and Zaha Hadid, who you know, sadly has since passed away. But uh, have you begun thinking at all about what what uh, you might do for the the tenth anniversary in a couple of years? Um, yes, Bill. Thank you. And you know, time flies, right? 
I think that for 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 many of you that were on campus when the when the museum opened, uh, it is a shock to see that it's already it's already eight years, but it will be ten. And I think that one way to give a vi visibility to that we may be throwing a party for ten year olds at the museum, you know, on the day of the opening, so that we see how much time has you know passed uh, physically in 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 other persons. But um, <laughs> right that way we're like okay this is what 10 years look like but um yes we have i think it will be important to celebrate the building again and you know share those stories that gave shape to this building that similarly to contemporary art there is a lot of reasons why the building has the shape it does while well, the building has the the finishes on the facade that it has the height on one side that then goes up and, and meets the height of the buildings next to it on the other side I mean, if you get to learn the ideas that gave shape to the building, it is very clear what's happening. You will have a full understanding. It's a building that tells a story very clearly. It's just like people need to tell us the chapters, which is the job of the museum. So I, I think it behooves us to do uh, an homage to Saha Hadid, to uh, have those stories that We want them to be part of our popular imaginary in East Lansing. We want everyone to understand why the building has that shape and, and for to celebrate the building after 10 years and see where we are, you know. And um, I know that some folks call it the shark. Um, you know, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's very accurate. and may, But maybe we can, through this exhibition, find other metaphors that uh, go a little bit more in depth into what Zaha saw in our campus landscape, in the culture of our Lansing area that then she tried to materialize in the building. So the idea is that we actually explain the building to all audiences from all backgrounds. So one of the ideas is to have a coloring book on the building explaining the story. You know, it starts short on one side because there were trees on this side of the building and it then goes up higher on the other side, because the, the taller buildings are on that side. So it kind of, you know, dialogues with, with the scales of the immediate surrounding. It has this metal pleated facade as homage to those, those workers in the automobile industry. So the automobile industry is very present in our culture. And what's the relationship we have with this kind of metal and this kind of working the metal. And a lot of, of the folks in the Lansing area have a personal relationship to that material. So all of that went into, into, into play for this building together with geometry and patterns and it's not the same how you perceive the building if you're walking that if you're driving and you're looking at it with movement all of that uh, we need to explain better to our Lansing communities Lans La greater Lansing communities and geometry I think there's a lot of a lot of that can be linked to K-12 curricula. And so the idea is to put all that in a coloring book that will be able to be distributed with our local schools and hopefully will inspire everyone to see the building uh, from different points of view, color, pattern, composition, material, height, scale, all of that. And just learn to love it the way that many of us that work in the building do and, and better understand it. And so the idea is that to tell the story of the building for all audiences and to be able to start weaving that those that that those ideas about the building in in our everyday life uh as something normal for us to to be like yeah it, you know it's a masterpiece because do you know that the the bottom slab like the lower level has i believe it's a two two foot two foot deep 
kind of slab at the very bottom that works more like a boat than the way that you would anchor a building. So there's a lot of also technical and structural innovation in that building that I guess a lot of people are not aware of. And so wouldn't it be fun to try to explain the building from the sense of view that, you know, it operates a little bit like a boat. Isn't that fabulous, right? And that's why art and architecture are just at the forefront of innovation and creativity because they are able to do those connections for us in their in what they build and the material culture they create. And so, and the other idea for the anniversary is just really to highlight our collections, right? Never forget that we are a museum with a very important, relevant art collection. Uh, a lot of the objects have been donated to us as gifts from MSU patrons, MSU alumni, MSU faculty. You know, it's a collection that has been built by the community. And we want to pay homage to that coming together and being the repository of all these material treasures of our region. And then, you know, we do accession things. We do have uh, some money to go and, you know, keep adding to the collection. But the core of the collection has been built by the people of East Lansing for the people of East Lansing. So it's a, it's an important moment for us to honor and acknowledge that as well. Yeah, no, I, I imagine it will be a lot of fun. And as you say, the, uh, the building really is, is very special, both uh, in terms of its design and construction. And uh, I recall the, the, uh, the firm that, that, that there are several firms that worked together to build the building and the work that went into finding just the right blend of concrete that would set in just the right way to handle the angles and the sloping walls was uh, an extraordinary project that uh, I don't think that that maybe they quite uh, uh, expected to be as, as challenging as it was, but at the same time was extraordinarily rewarding to see how they pulled it off. So, uh, it it will be a very special time and uh and and i think something that uh, that will be really great great for our community as as the whole art museum has been so so monica i uh want, always like to uh to, to wrap up these interviews with uh a fun question or two so let me ask you uh, uh as a as a professional in the art world is there a particular artist that is your favorite some somebody who's worked really speaks to you in a special way? Yes. Um, uh, the short answer is many, fortunately, because, I, you know, I, I need to know and admire a lot of artists to be able to program hundreds and hundreds of exhibitions through the years. But there is one artist in particular that I've, I worked with him early in his career uh, that I felt the, the art world was not paying enough attention and I felt he needed proper recognition and now he does have that recognition and his his name is Brian Donnelly but the his artistic name let's say is Kaws K A W S and he started um he started he did a lot of things at the same time but he also did some graffiti art in the New York streets you know in the um uh, 1990s and um he did a lot of as a creative person, he did also a lot of commercial product and he would do, you know, he would design toys for limited edition markets in Japan or he would design uh, shoe, uh, tennis shoes for some important brands or or watches or, you know, so what I like about the and then, of course, he did art always. And the for him, it's a matter of having a creative energy in your being and just looking for diverse channels 
of uh, implementing that diversity. So what I like about this artist is not only that his art um, is really a contribution to the art field, and it would probably fall under the category of pop art following, let's say, a Warhol and a Jeff Koons. Um, he, ta- he gets inspired by a lot of very well-known cartoon icons like Mickey Mouse or SpongeBob. And then he does his own take on those uh, very well-known popular iconic images. And so, um, but at the same time, he has this all, all these other um, ways of expressing his creativity. And some of those have become actual businesses. And I like it. I like him as uh, the work that he does. I like to that it represents, I believe, the, the artists of the 21st century where you, you have a creative power, you have a creative power energy and you actually work across disciplines where one discipline or one channel of creation inspires the other one. And that you should not, you know, um, get so focused on one way of doing things that you're missing your opportunity on communicating through your creativity with folks that want to access that creativity through other channels. You know, it can be a fashion design, it can be printing, it can be murals on the street, it can be uh, T-shirts. You know, he had a lot of of, uh, T-shirts that he would launch limited edition. So um, um, that's an artist that I think it's incredibly interesting for our times. It's certainly an artist that um, a lot of young adults look up to because he has been able to build his own artistic persona and career and business uh, in his own terms. And um, and the work ethic of this artist is just impeccable. I mean, you know, it's an artist that is working all the time and does everything, uh, has a hand on everything himself. And, and so not only the art, but the work ethic and the understanding of who we are today in the 21st century and how we can be creative in our contemporary era, I think he embodies all of those aspects. So needless to say, we will be working with him in 2023. We will be having an exhibition by him. And I'm looking forward to revisiting that working relationship that we started about 10 years ago and and see where we both are 10 years later. That's going to be fun. That will be a lot of fun. Well, Monica, I can't uh, thank you enough for joining us today. It's been great to fun and uh and always interesting to learn about what's uh, what's going on at the Eli and Edith Broda Art Museum on on our campus at Michigan State University. Uh, I'd welcome uh, uh, welcome people to to come by and and check out uh, the the exhibits as as they come in. And uh, Monica, it's been a joy having you on the program today, and uh, we wish you well in your uh, tenure as the director of the Eli and Edith Broda Art Museum on our campus and. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you at the museum soon. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you there, Bill. And do let us know what your experiences were with the construction of Highway 496 because we are documenting that uh, for our exhibition and to be able to share with other people their their experiences with the car culture. So we look forward to interviewing you as well and getting your feedback on all those exhibitions. Thank you for having us. It's a it's a treat and we, we hope uh, people take the opportunity to visit the museum. It's really a very refreshing uh, experience given our kind of working from home situation. Uh, it's, it's highly recommended. I went to the museum today and I just had a blast. So I can certainly recommend the experience for folks that, that want to be able to have an informal learning experience and ex- an inspiring one, but within a very safe environment. And so hopefully we'll see many of you at the museum soon.